Welcome to another episode of Nusimik Into the Bush podcast. I'm here with my guest, Danny Keeler. Danny, how is it going? It's going pretty good. Thank you so much for having me. I feel so honored. I want to dive into a few pretty big conversations. So, one, I want to talk about your trip to Antarctica, how that started, how it went, and where it's going. And then we'll chat a little bit about 7Gen and the work that you do on a day-to-day to ensure Indigenous youth have a place and a space and a big voice on energy and environmental con- conversations. But let's start with you. So I want to know your background. You know, that intro everyone hears when you step on stage or they're reading your bio online, whether it's from like a website or whatever. You know, that's always the formal one. But I want to get to know Danny from Danny's perspective. Tanse Kapewawasak Nisigasun Nienaheosqueo Tante Kuakutusikochinia. Hello and how are you? My name is Comes Lightning. My English name is Danny Keeler. I am a Plains Cree woman from Kuakutus First Nations on Treaty 4 territory in the country known as Canada. I just graduated from the University of Saskatchewan. I have a Bachelor's of Commerce in Business Management. First and foremost, I am an Indigenous artist. I, um, my focus point is on Indigenous culture and decolonizing from colonial institutes to showcase the true beauty and excellence that is Indigenous peoples. Um, it's very intricate. I am mixed media, so mixed media, so I paint and then I do traditional beadwork on top of my paintings. And everything that I do is all tied together with my culture and my practices and what I learned from my cookum. Um, I am also the manager of Seven Gen, and Seven Gen started as a dream, and now we're here. <laughs> um, we empower and amplify Indigenous voices, indigenous youth, um, in energy work, in food sovereignty, in environmentalism, in the climate space. Uh, We want to hear their innovative ideas and how we can change the system to amplify and pretty much just like the preservation of Mother Earth in their communities across the world. And just so we can amplify it the indigenous voices that need to be present in these spaces. Um, so that's my daytime job. And then my other side hustle that I do is I am the aunt of Antarctica. <laughs> I was the first First Nations person to be part of the 2041 Foundation from Canada. And I went down to Antarctica back in March to see the firsthand effects of climate change and to meet with other people across the world, students, people in industry, governments, all that, so we can collaborate and come up with solutions that are actually going to benefit all of humanity and not just us, but Mother Earth herself. Um, And since then, it just kind of snowballed, and I became, I'm part of this other foundation for Antarctica called Antarctic Rights. I'm a founding member. 
where we're trying to get Antarctica her own living personhood rights to be an actual entity so people cannot abuse her and they'll be held accountable if they try to go down and, you know, extract or mine or whatever it is or occupy the land because Antarctica doesn't belong to anybody. She is the untouched soul of Mother Earth herself and we really need to protect that. So with Antarctica, um, why do you think that granting this part of the world personhood is so important? And and how do you think Antarctica can impact, you know, somewhere completely opposite or disassociated or as, as the Western world might see it, like, you know, disconnected from all things? Like, why should everyone care about this work that you're doing with Antarctica? My world, my life completely changed from going down there because nobody really understands, especially like people, you know, living day to day, you know, just in their daily struggles in North America, wherever in the world, they don't really know the importance that Antarctica plays on their daily lives. And I didn't find out until I went down there. And Antarctica is pretty much the keystone for the entire world's uh, ecosystem. So she holds 90% of the world's fresh ice and 70% of the world's fresh water. And the ecosystems with the animals, the biodiversity down in Antarctica actually purify the waters that go all the way through like all the world. And she is the reason why we have fresh, clean drinking water. And I don't, I'm not a scientist, so I don't know like the, the waterways and all that stuff. But that's something that I learned down there is that if Antarctica goes, we all go either with her melting her ice and the sea, ri- sea levels just rising and overcoming all of the land or because we're not going to have any clean water. You know, water is life. We need water to survive on a daily basis. So that's something that's really important. and. Nobody actually understands that or knows that. Like, it's just not something that, you know, came into anybody's conscience because, like, Antarctica is so far away, right? Like, it's just, like, beyond anything that we could imagine. It's just, it has absolutely nothing to do with our daily lives. But when it comes down to it, she has everything to do with us being able to, like, just live a healthy, normal life. And so that's why it's super important for me to, like, educate the rest of the world like that's why I'm the ant the anti of Antarctica um because like I feel it's a duty to <laughs> to um to educate the next generation that are coming in to help preserve Antarctica and I guess that's kind of one of the key problems right with when you talk about the rights of nature it's like how are people truly taking the time to connect nature and what happens in our ecosystems to ourselves right and and that's when like it gets personal and people feel this responsibility or duty to act and so yeah I I think that that's absolutely incredible and for you as one of the first first nations women from Canada to actually go on this 2041 expedition and step foot on Antarctica like that's huge right one representation but two it's like you bring that story back and you can tell it so passionately and that's absolutely beautiful and I think that's what the world needs right is to like 
understand their connection and feel a connection, even to places that we might not be able to see or feel or, or truly get to know. But the, the knowing is that it's all a part of us, right? And as an Indigenous person, like you're one of the you're one of the most important voices to be able to tell that story because, you know, it's a part of your identity and growing up in your culture is, is like being able to truly fully and inherently have that connection to land and water. <laughs> so where did you uh, get this auntie from our Antarctica? There's, I know there's a story. <laughs> so let's hear this. This is a self-proclaimed. Did you, dub yourself the anti of Antarctica no I did not I'm not that cringe (laughs) um it was just started as a joke I was at my cousin's wedding and my other cousin was dancing around to um to a song what was it called the joker and he was just grooving and then he said Danny the ant of Antarctica (laughs) and we all started laughing and then it just stuck and when I told it to everybody else it stuck so and now I have like this inherent duty because I feel like I have a obligation like a duty to teach the next generations about this and so everybody who follows my steps down in Antarctica are literally my nieces and nephews that I'm teaching and caring for and so I'll I'll fully take on that title. I'm the auntie. Big auntie vibes. <laughs> Danny gives big auntie vibes. I love it. This is the auntie you are, the deadly auntie that you are. Um, Seven Gen brought a delegation of youth to Dubai. So maybe do you want to share a little bit about Seven Gen, what, what it is? So Seven Gen is an indigenous, it started as a dream. It's an Indigenous Youth Energy Council, um, but it started as an energy summit for Indigenous youth by Indigenous youth. And I went to the first one in Calgary. I was in Satina Nation, outside, just on the outskirts of Calgary, Alberta, um, in 2019. And this was my entry into the energy slash sustainability slash climate conversation like I had absolutely no idea about anything in this industry in this sector Um, I wasn't even in business school yet I was just an artist and then I went there and it completely changed my life it just like changed the trajectory of my career and where I wanted to go I got so inspired and like one of the biggest things that I took away from that was just the connection of all the other indigenous voices within that room because it was all over Turtle Island, like all over the country known as Canada. We had representation from everywhere. And so it just started as that with student energy that helped create the first um, seven gen summit. And then I wasn't part of that delegation that went to London, but there is a youth delegation that went to London and they were super inspired and they couldn't let the momentum and the movement die. And so that's where the birth or the creation of the seven gen council came from and i just applied to be part of an event planner just to plan the next summit and covid happened (laughs) so that put postponed our summit and our plans that we had um and then we just kept getting more ideas because when you get a a group of amazing indigenous youth in a in a room and 
they're stuck in there for years and they can't do anything. And they have like all these money, like money to spend and all these innovative ideas came from that. And the birth of seven gen just got bigger and greater. And we just realized that we are onto something great here that can actually have a big impact on the world that we live today, not just for us, but for the next generations to come. And we created a mentorship program. Um, We started developing more ideas for the next summit. We started taking up spaces at different conferences. We're getting invites to go across the world um, to talk about 7Gen and what we do. And it's basically empowering Indigenous youth to come into the sector. And you don't have to know anything. You come in beginner, intermediate, advanced. Everybody is welcomed. We want to teach, we want to educate, and we want to inspire Indigenous youth to get into the sector. So whether it be clean renewable energy projects, your career, food sovereignty, water purification systems, the list goes on and on and on because sustainability is embedded with everything, with every kind of sector. So, you know, we, we, we accept everybody as ages 18 to 35. And so we held a really great summit in Whitecap First Nations in September. That was the second 7Gen, 7Gen 2.0. We had over 200 Indigenous youth from every nation, like every territory across Canada, come show up, represent, and learn and engage. And now we're planning our next one here in the fall of this year. We chatted just a little bit about your story and and you introduced yourself a little bit but maybe let's just dive a little deeper into that but yeah so I grew up in Regina Saskatchewan um I in an urbanized area it was downtown Regina and I grew up where there was a lot of gang activities there was a lot of street activities happening uh, I grew up in poverty and it was it was not a safe place to grow up. And um, I, just as many Indigenous people experience, you know, grew up in substance abuse with like, you know, all these different kind of toxic cycles that we inherited from our ancestors due to, you know, the Indian Act and the residential school systems and everything else that played a factor into the daily lives of Indigenous people. Um, So I had a very rough growing up. Um, Like I said, it was a very unsafe place to live in. Um, I was just like randomly, I lived on a block where there was, you know, drug dealers and there would be SWAT teams that come in down the block. There was like this, I remember when I was like in high school, there was this, uh, um, he was actually a murderer and there was like body bags coming out of this one house. Um, the police, it wasn't the police that patrolled the streets. It was the predators. And there was, I used to get like harassed by the police that would actually, um, patrol the streets because I had to walk 12 blocks to and from school every day just to get my grade 12 and yeah they would just like they would just like to to mess with me and it was just because I was an indigenous woman I grew up in a really rough and tough neighborhood where indigenous women children would go missing and nobody would bat an eye you know like I said the predators roamed the streets it wasn't the protectors 
And so that's where I grew up. Um, and it played a very distinctive role in the person who I am today because I didn't have, you know, the role models. I didn't have people to really look up to. The people that I did look up to just couldn't couldn't deal with like my day-to-day reality. It just didn't speak to them. They didn't know how to talk to me. I didn't know how to talk to them. Um, so I had people that I didn't want to be like. And that was kind of what drew, like, what lit my fire to drive me. It was because I knew I didn't belong in the space and I needed to break free and I didn't know how. And education was the only way that I was going to do so. Otherwise, I would just stay in poverty in the ghetto. Um, and everything pretty much changed in my later years when I was 17 when my little sister was born and then my little brother because now I had people who actually looked up to me and viewed me as a role model and that that like it made me want to be better and do better for them not for myself but for them because I didn't want them to experience what I had to experience growing up and so all of that played like a really big factor into my life and Ever since then, you know, like, I'm not an angel. I I did a lot of stuff that I'm not proud of in my earlier years, but it's a life is a long life journey, right? You're always learning. And so I've learned from a lot of the mistakes that I made in the past. And it kind of like led me to where I am today because then that led me to, okay, I need to get my education. I need to go back to university. Um. And then that's when 7Gen and all that stuff happened. But as for my art, that is something that's always been within me. That is my gift from the creator. And I always say everybody has a gift and we have to use our gifts in order to like create these solutions or to help humanity save ourselves. And so with that being said, like my art is just something that's within me. And nobody can, not art school, I'm an art school dropout. (laughs) They couldn't teach me about my art. My art teachers couldn't teach me what I already knew about my art. It's just all within me because I'm self-taught. And so with my art, it's, I'm a very spiritual being. My cooking was very traditional. And so all of these traditional aspects that she has taught me live within my artwork. And it gives them a spirit. Because when I paint, I don't see a picture. I see colors. I see lines and shapes. And I pray at the same time that I'm doing it. And then as the beadwork comes in, I was taught that every bead has a spirit. And so every bead that you tack down, you have to pray for. And so my artwork is not just paintings, but it's like me spiritually, you know, creating something with life that has good prayers, good intentions within it. And so all of these aspects go into my work and I focus on, you know, culture, but I also do like really cool things. Like I did, I did Tupac and I prayed to Tupac and he heard me. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, I don't know. I really love what I do. Um, and my paintings aren't just paintings. They have a spirit. They come alive. They come alive. You know, you can see it when you see the beadwork shining. When I did the lady in red, it's like you could see the lady moving through the through the woods in her red dress you know it was she's alive and that's kind of the razzle dazzle that I sprinkle on my paintings and 
first and foremost, that's who I am and that's where my heart is and that's where my passion is. So I want to connect that with all the other work that I do. Mm-hmm. And and I really do see that connection. You talked a little bit about your cookum, about your grandmother and, and those teachings, right? And and you say like they have a they have a life within your art. And that is so beautiful. Where can people find your art, first of all? Well, I'm working on getting a website with all the things that I do. But right now, um, it would be on Instagram. So at Keeler Visions. Yeah, and I'll put a I'll put a link in the show notes. So what other pieces have you created? And maybe what was one of your favorites and what was inspired by? My favorite painting that I have done is my first one. It's called Related to Everything Under the Sky. And I asked my niece if I could paint her and it was a power dancer. She's a power dancer. And I want, like I said, I want to focus on indigenous culture. And I was at a power one time daydreaming and I was like, you know, people can create and paint power dancers, but they can't grasp that true essence, that spirit that's alive when they dance, that you can see when you're watching all the all the dancers coming at grand entry there's like nothing that truly grasps that that can capture that regalia and I was like oh I guess I kind of beat it (laughs) and that's where the idea came from and so it took me over a year to actually create her because she's like she's big she's not small it's a big piece half of it's her face I did a portrait of her and in the background, and then I beaded all her regalia, her hair ties, her barrettes, and then the shawl that's standing behind her. And that took over a year. And it was my first one, um, but it's the one that stands out the most. I can honestly say, like, I've never seen art like yours where there's beadwork on top of the painting and, you know, just like the spiritual aspect that you talk about when you talk about your artwork. It's it's pretty, it's it sits pretty heavy within you. I know a lot of your time is going to be taken up from another project. And maybe that's where we'll dive back into the topic of Antarctica again. So you told us a little bit about your journey there. What was your favorite moment at in Antarctica? And then can you share with the people a little tidbit into what your big hopes and dreams are with your art and with Antarctica? For sure. So my favorite moment that happened in Antarctica was like everything, a spiritual experience. <laughs> I, it was our last shore landing on Antarctica. So our last day in there. And I never stuck with the group. I always took off and did my own thing. Just being indigenous, one with the land, like seeing the penguins. I was by a colony of penguins. And I was just like looking off the cliff and you could hear like something like like thumping. And it was just like the snow. It was the snow in the mountains and the cliffs in Antarctica. You could hear it. And I just remember standing by with all these penguins, closing my eyes and just praying and thanking creator that I was there. That I was there experiencing all this beauty and wonder, meeting all these amazing people from across the world. And I just felt truly like so appreciative and just it made me cry. And I was standing there just crying and praying. And all of a sudden there was just big gust of wind that just came and blew. I could feel it in my hair and my 
face and I had this really deadly jacket that's warm and I could just feel it come through my jacket. You know, it was pretty much like this gust of wind just blew through my spirit. And in that moment, I was like leaning against, um, leaning against the wind. And it was just like, you know, like I was like flying. It was so beautiful. And I didn't realize people were actually like watching me and they're taking pictures of me. So it's on my, it's on my Instagram. <laughs> but um, in that moment, I realized, you know, it's not Mother Nature who needs saving because I went down there with this idea that I was going to go save the world. Instead, it just like, when that wind hit me, it was like, okay, we need to save ourselves because, you know, Mother Nature could take us out with a hurricane, with, you know, a drought, with tsunamis, with the earthquake, with whatever. And she can totally just wipe us out. So it is us. We need to save ourselves for the betterment of Mother Earth. And so that was my favorite moment that happened in Antarctica. It was a very spiritual one. It connected me with Mother Earth, with Antarctica, with the penguins. Um, so, yeah, that's why I absolutely love Antarctica. And so my next project that I'm going to be creating is a traveling art exhibit about my experience down in Antarctica and the trickling effects of climate change and how it's going to affect different people across the world with climate change with Antarctica goes we all go so that's going to be my main focal point it's just creating conversations for people helping create conversations with people about climate change about sustainability about climate solutions and how we can actually develop these ideas to make a difference um, and you know it takes a village right so we need one another to actually do these things so that's my next project and I'm also going to be continue my work with the Antarctic Rights and helping develop a documentary and about the journey that we're taking and trying to create an indigenous and a global indigenous advisory council for this for this new initiative. Okay so you have a big year coming up a big few years coming up. What advice do you have for young people that are interested in energy or environment? I say everybody especially Indigenous youth, are already involved in these conversations because we hold an extensive amount of headed um, traditional knowledge systems that come from our ancestors that are embedded with sustainability. And so, you know, it's just about unlocking that potential and showing them that they already have these extensive knowledge streams that are going to be beneficial for sustainability for the communities for their families for you know the next generations to come and what I'd have to say for people to get involved is just come find 7gen <laughs> but not just 7gen there are other amazing organizations organizations out there you know that are in advocacy that are in different kind of work streams and in different industries and I think it's just like you know asking questions like not to be don't feel embarrassed that you have no knowledge about these things you know there are no dumb questions you know people out there like they're looking for young people to come in these spaces and I see that we really need the young people to come in fresh-faced with innovative ideas because that's how we're going to change the game. That's how we're going to create these solutions that are actually going to be beneficial, you know, not just talk about it, but be about it. I have this thing where I say, like, um, 
don't think of the sky as a limit because to think like that just puts in another barrier that you must overcome. So instead, think like this, that the universe is vast and the possibilities are endless. So shoot for the stars because there is nothing that you can't achieve once you put your mind to it. Yes, you hit it spot on, Danny. I think there's definitely a pathway for everyone to be a part of this work. 7Gen makes it pretty easy to get involved. It's a very welcoming, safe, healthy environment where um, young people, like it's proven, right? Through the programs, through the summit, um, through all the different initiatives, big and small it's impacted people's lives and like we're testament to that. <laughs> we both started in, I guess, industries that are not necessarily considered to be connected to energy from, you know, maybe our, our limited understanding at the time. And now it's blown into this thing where like every industry, every person that's doing anything right now is connected to what's happening with the climate crisis. Um, you know, and now it's like this big, huge responsibility of helping the rest of the world kind of understanding their role in that. And you do that on the day to day. So Danny's your gal. If you want to learn how to get involved through 7Gen, there's that. And then there's, you know, always, there's always just the opportunity to chat with Danny. She's a very friendly person, very knowledgeable and can connect you to other spaces as well. Danny, I just want to say uh, thank you so much. Uh, you've truly contributed to you know what's happening globally and here on the ground at home for for the earth in a very big way. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, Ms. Bernoff. Thanks for having me.